Welcome to the Like Father Like Fantasy Podcast, a fantasy football podcast where two fantasy addicts, who just so happen to be father and son, talk about everything the football world has to offer. We provide masterful insight, engage in intriguing arguments and conversations, but most importantly, we provide entertainment for all and have fun while doing it. Now sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the show. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Like Father, Like Fantasy podcast. And now for the switch up that absolutely nobody expected, I'm going to let my father intro this because I always do it and he's going to be very confused. Go. What? Come on. All right, guys. I guess here's what we're going to talk about today. Thanks a lot, son. You're welcome. So, uh, Nick has done a little bit of research, put put some questions out to some folks to see uh, which which guys we want to talk about here but the idea is there's a lot of um, receiving duos out there um, that have two valuable receivers uh, on one squad and we're going to try and break down five of those combos and let you know who we like better at their current ADP so if you have to focus or target one of these two wideouts which one should you be going after it's not easy. Uh, yeah, before we get started, uh, sorry for the delay in putting out podcasts. Um, we were just on a family vacation, Tennessee, very nice, saw my sisters, saw my nephews, good time. Um, yeah, so I was just a little hiccup, but we did a lot of fantasy work while over there, so we are very, very prepared for this episode. Also prepared. So... To start with, the wide receiver duo combination we have is Julio Jones versus Calvin Ridley. Julio Jones is currently going at an ADP of 11 compared to Calvin Ridley's 45. And to be frankly honest, I'm pretty sure the only thing that entices me about taking Ridley over Julio this year is that ADP. That's it. Um, A lot of the fantasy world is expecting Ridley to break out this year and as do I. However, I still don't think it'll match what Julio is going to do. Julio last year had 99 catches for 1,394 yards and six touchdowns, which is below his average over any season that he'll play 13 games or more, which is eight of the last nine. Um... He's just on another level than Calvin Ridley. Even if Ridley goes for 80 catches for 11.50 and 7 this year, and Julio goes down to 95 for 1,306 touchdowns, that's still better. And I know that the ADP is about 30 spots in between the two, which is almost three rounds, but I think Julio is just such a dominant force on his team that if I were to own one over the other, I'm... Leaning more and more Julio this year. Yeah, this is a <clears throat> this is a tough combo to start off with. Actually, uh, of all the duos we are going to talk about here, um, so looking at the ADPs, like you just said, uh, you have Julio at eleven. I have him a, a little further, somewhere in the 15, 16 range, which means <clears throat> to me Julio's going in the second round. Um, so you're able to grab yourself a running back. And then come around the turn, 
and then get Julio. So uh, solid running back with Julio is a great start. Um, Ridley, you don't have to take Ridley until the fourth round. And this is why it gets difficult. So it, in the projections that I'm looking at for these two guys, you know, Julio is going to give you about 280 points during the course of the year. Ridley, about 240. So you got about 40 point difference, but um, you don't have to take Ridley till the fourth round. I mean, I like both of these guys a lot. Um, but if you had to put a gun to my head and say you can only have one or the other, then I'm taking Julio in the second round. Um, however, you know, understand in this conversation too that we're having with these wide receivers, we're going to pick one over the other, but like in this case, I have no problem with you taking Ridley in the fourth round. Um, so to butt in, yeah. my last note for Julio versus Ridley is, must note that end of fourth for Ridley is great value, and if I don't get Julio, I need Ridley. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the projections I'm looking at have Ridley catching 80 balls for almost 1,100 yards, Julio, 100 catches for 1,400, and that's, like you said, that's kind of like his average or low-end average. The consistency of Julio over the years has been so fantastic. When you're making an early-round pick, your first-round pick, your second-round pick, I like to minimize risk. I like to find consistency on top-end guys you know are going to give you good points, and Julio is that guy. You know, Ridley, yeah. Ridley he's new. Yeah, I'll read, I'll read the numbers off. I don't think I did. His career average is 94 catches for 1447 and seven touchdowns. So there's also a narrative that goes around that Ridley's going to outscore Julio in touchdowns because he never scores. And for a guy of Julio's caliber, scoring seven touchdowns a year probably isn't his peak. But saying that he's not going to score touchdowns is fabricated. He's had one full season with three. And then the next lowest after that is a series of sixes, some eights, and a ten. So it's not like he's not getting in the end zone. And that's a stat that I honestly didn't expect to find because I always hear about how awful Julio Jones is at scoring touchdowns. But it, even if he didn't, he's still a monster. I mean, to average almost 1,500 yards and almost 100 catches a year is ridiculous. That is on another level. He's getting old. You think he, he might be old now? What do you think? No. <laughs> Ridley's young, up and coming. Yeah. Take over. When did when did Jerry Rice stop playing football? Do you know? Oh, jeez, that guy. I think he he still plays somewhere. I, yeah. I mean, so, I, don't, I don't think he retired till mid to late thirties. Larry Fitzgerald is around thirty five now, and you know he played at a high caliber for a very very long time. And Julio is. A generational talent, yeah. and I'm not scared of that. He yeah. always has a, a, a nagging toe injury, yes, I was which is say, which is annoying. I was going to say the other thing, like about owning Julio, you know, is just just know that when you watch the pregame warmups, you're going to see him limping around. He's going to have a swollen toe, a twisted ankle. He's going to have a bunch of tape all over his legs, and and then he's just going to go out and catch six balls for a buck twenty, and you know maybe he'll score, maybe not because he never scores. Like. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I slid that in there. Before we, before we, before we move on, another thing about the offense as a whole is it's the second year in a fresh offense, which always makes Matt Ryan perform better. 
and both of these guys are going to be great. So it's picking at straws a little bit. And if you don't like going wide receiver early, this is a really good year to go back-to-back running backs. I wouldn't be mad at you for taking Ridley instead of wanting to take Julio because a lot of depth at receiver, and it feels like running backs fall off you know, at the edge of the world after the second round for a little while. So, um, yeah, that's that. So your pick on this one would is be Julio. is Julio. Yeah. So my pick on this one's Julio, and I just want to – I'm going to take a look at something. I've done like – 35 of these drafts, um, their best ball drafts, whatever. But I've done, I've completed about 35 drafts, and I'm just going to take a look. I'm picking Julio as well. If I had to pick one or the other, I really love Julio in that second. I'm going to assume you have Ridley more, though. Uh, maybe. I'm going to, I'm going <clears> to <throat> just take a quick look here. Uh, where the hell? Sorry. It's taking me forever. Maybe this isn't a good idea. Uh, Ridley, I've only got Ridley three times. Really? Yep. I've only I got feel like, I've I feel only like at the beginning three. of the year we were talking about like Ridley versus Woods. Yeah. And taking them where they're going. I feel like you would have had more than that, to be honest uh, with you. Jeez, and I can't even find where. Yeah, I'm all right. Ridley. So you have more Ridley. I guess. So. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> this is a really bad sheet for me to look at. All right. <clears throat> so I'll forget about doing that. So anyways, we both like Julio a little bit better there, all things considered. So the next pair that we want to talk about here is the pair in Tampa. So we have Godwin and we have Evans. So by my numbers, uh, my forecasted points come out to about 275 points for Godwin, about 243 for Evans. I got about a 30-point difference there between the two. Um, ADP-wise, I've got Godwin getting selected generally around the 20th, 21st pick. Evans between 26 and 28. So these guys are both being drafted in the second round, being drafted very close to each other. Um so in this in this case here, change of quarterback. You got Brady coming in. Uh, what that means to me uh, is quicker passes. Uh, I don't think they want. You know, they, they talked about this. The Bruce Arians offense. Brady's coming in. What offense are they going to use? Are they going to use a Brady offense? Are they going to use the Arians offense? Well, what we heard was they're going to use Bruce Arians offense, but they're going to tweak it for Brady. Um, Phil Brady offense. Uh, to, to me, what it means is that they're going to get rid of the ball quicker. That That's what it means. Tweaking it for Brady means even if he's taking a seven-step drop, which I don't think he'll do nearly as much as Winston was doing, he's going to get rid of that ball on time as soon as his back foot hits the ground because he doesn't want to take that hit. Um, and I think that that leans, in my opinion, more three-step drops, more five-step drops, quicker quicker passes. I think that leans towards Godwin. Uh, he's, I feel like he's a little bit quicker. Um, uh, so, like I said, I've got him forecast to score 30 more points. These guys are being drafted in the same round, really close together. To me, this is Godwin all the way. Mm. Um, it's an easy, easy pick. So, you said it pretty well, and I'm going to say it in a more eloquent manner because I wrote it down, and I want to say it. 
So Brady is what I would like to call the antithesis of Jameis Winston. But you pretty much already said that with shorter passes, smarter passing, and high-quality targets. There's a pretty good trade-off here because what Winston did was throw 30 interceptions and turn the ball over 40 total times. So essentially that leads to the opposing offense scoring quicker and more often, presumably, and then putting the ball back in his hands while at a disadvantage, so more garbage time. Brady isn't going to do this. He's going to turn over the ball around 10 times, I would say, probably. But the quality of targets are going to improve. The limit of turnovers is going to improve the offense. However, it does give them less time in total because of how often <laughs> how often that Winston was turning the ball over, which is letting the other team score. So I, I think – I don't think – a lot changes. However, going back into higher quality targets, Evans had 17.3 yards per game, which was ninth in the NFL. He had 30 targets, which was ranked fourth in the NFL. However, only 68.6% of his targets were catchable, which was 95th in the NFL. And that is awful. That's that is, terrible. That is atrocious. So, Brady hasn't had a deep option in a long time. And what we saw as Patriots fans is we watch him throw it to Edelman down the middle of the field and overthrow him by five yards. So you combine Evans' size, you combine his speed, and this won't happen. That is going to increase his catchable targets, which should overall lead to more catches, more yards, probably more touchdowns. So... When I started doing this, I was on the Godwin side. And I think Brady is going to be better for Evans than he is for Godwin. And that is why I think that Mike Evans is the player to own on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, my draft results would never show that in 100 years because I have... Godwin more than I have Mike Evans, but I don't even have a lot of Godwin because, to be honest, I'm frankly staying away from the situation. But you also think about Brady loves jump balls and fades. Now, they have Gronk, they have Howard, and he's notorious for throwing to tight ends in the red zone. But Mike Evans is 6'5", and he's going to go up and get it. So I could see every single one of his numbers going up. If Brady performs the way people expect Brady to perform, they should go up, and you're getting him at a better value than you are Godwin. Yeah, I think they're getting getting drafted at the same spot. You got to take them as your second, third, second. You can take Godwin at the end of the second round. You can take Mike Evans at the start of the third. Yeah, I suppose. So you go running back, running back Evans, which I would much rather. Now. I think Godwin definitely has a higher floor. I mean, we saw the way that Brady uses Edelman, Welker, you know, anyone else out of the slot over the years. Do you have do you have any do you have yards per yards per catch there by any chance for these guys? Uh God I know God, you're the stat. Godwin was like fifteen point eight I don't have it written down. Yeah. He was a little bit under sixteen and 
Evans was 17.3 yards per game. So Evans catching the ball deeper downfield. But I think Godwin with his catch and run ability a little bit more than Evans. Sure. Yeah. And I, mean, I guess it's I guess it's just And you know, Godwin Godwin is a close thing to a slot receiver on the team. He lined up in the slot fifty percent of the time. And he also lined up actually around ten percent of the time in a tight end spot, which I thought was very interesting and probably even helps him even more. Um but Evans was also at around 20%, which is low, but <clears throat> he's still playing in the slot. So it's not like Godwin is above and beyond going to be in a better spot than than Evans. Because if, if Evans goes up to 80 catches and manages another 17 yards per catch, which probably would go down with Brady, but who actually knows, then he's destined for... 1,400 yards, almost 1,500. So I think this argument has swung me toward Evans, but the safer option is Godwin, for sure. However, I'm staying away from all of it personally because that's just not how I'm drafting this year. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's a good point too. Like, so in, in all these drafts I've done, um, I end up with Godwin twice, Evans zero times. So you can tell that the way my drafts are going, I'm hitting running back so early. Um, if I am hitting a wide receiver early, it's it's Julio, it's Michael Thomas, maybe it's Adams. And, and But for the most part, I'm going running back. And if you're doing that, most of the time these guys are not available to you. Um, like you said, maybe Evans if you're in the right spot in the third round. But uh, I haven't gone that way yet. And just to get back to the Julio Ridley thing for a second, I did take Julio four times. I took Ridley three times. Really? So I did take Julio a little bit more that one extra time. Um, so I, I just need to throw that out there because I know you guys were, were <clears throat> disappointed that I couldn't find that earlier. Yes, as was I. I know. So then the next combo intrigues me a lot. And I. <clears throat> I've been going back and forth with this for a while. And it's Kenny Galladay versus Marvin Jones. So Kenny Galladay is currently listed around 25 in ADP. And this is looking at a coagulation of different PPR leagues, right? Is that the numbers you're looking at? That was I was looking yep. at PPR leagues yep. across all of fantasy drafting right now. Yep. So I have Kenny Galladay in an ADP of 25 and Marvin Jones at 87, which could go either direction. And looking at the numbers, Kenny Galladay had 65 catches for 1190 and 11 touchdowns compared to Marvin Jones at 62 for 779 and 9. And Marvin Jones missed some games. And Kenny Galladay played what I believe to be a full season. So you look at it and you say, well, the numbers besides the yardage are fairly equal in terms of catches, touchdowns, etc. And you're getting a player 60 picks after one. <clears throat> and I originally said I would take Marvin Jones here, but I think I'm swinging in the opposite direction because they only had Stafford for eight games. After that, it was David Blau. I believe it's pronounced throwing him throwing in the football. So I'm honestly just going to disregard that because I don't think that has anything to do with what's going to happen this year. 
So looking at the first eight games of the season with Matt Stafford, Marvin Jones put up 42 catches, 535 yards, and six touchdowns. Kenny Galladay, 35, 640, and seven. Once again, seems like a fairly even split. However, Marvin Jones had one game of 10 catches for 93 yards and four touchdowns. (laughs) And that's a major outlier that if you remove that, it's really not as close as it seems. Looking at the games with Matt Stafford, Galladay had 50% of his games, 23 or more PPR fantasy points, and 75% in double digits. In six out of eight, he either put up 100 yards or a touchdown. Now, besides Marvin Jones's three big boom games, he put up 10.7, 10, 9.3, 6.2, and 3.7. That's... That's Amari Cooper light, which we'll get into later, and I'm very excited to get into. But although you're basically getting him for nothing, I think that Kenny Galladay, if he takes another step up in a full season with Stafford, I'm going to say it. (laughs) I'm going to say this. He's nearing the next Megatron in Detroit. They always called him Baby Tron or you know Baby Megatron or whatever you want to call it. Like that's what he could have been. And I think this year is the year where people start to realize that Kenny Galladay is the next elite wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know if I I go that far um, on that team. The numbers are really good with Stafford, like you said, for both of these guys when Stafford was <clears throat> healthy last year. My looking at forecasts here again to start with how many points I think these guys are gonna generate. Galladay I've got around the two hundred and forty point range. Marvin Jones is around the one eighty five to one ninety point range. So these guys are on you know, two different ends of the spectrum here. Um, like you said, Marvin Jones is draft spot for me. I've got him between 90 and 95 like that was that eighth round uh, somewhere around there um galladay's flirting i mean he's a top 10 wide out the, the difference between these two guys is just galladay can give you wins galladay can make a difference on your team he's obviously gonna have to get drafted in the in the I guess early third round, it looks like you got to take Galladay. Marvin Jones, different type of player. You can wait forever to select him. I think Marvin Jones at this point in his career is just a guy. You mentioned his points look pretty good compared to Galladay, except he put up, you know, 60% of his points in one game or something. You know, yeah, uh, that number is probably not accurate, but yeah, it's like whatever it is, like he, he's. He's up and down. He can give you some multiple touchdown games here and there. I think he's, I think he's mm-hmm. done that throughout his career, where he showed big splashes here and there, and then he goes quiet for multiple games. It's just kind of, kind of how he goes. Um, so I'm not, I'm not interested much in Marvin Jones, even at the at the late draft spot. Yeah, the guys that are around that same <clears throat> area, you know, you can get Darius Slate and you can get Brandon Cooks. You can dip into tight ends. You're going, going to be looking at Higby, uh, Christian Kirk's around there, James White, running back. 
area. Yeah. So, like, when you're looking at all those guys around that spot, Marvin Jones just doesn't stand out as a pick to me, even <clears throat> at that nice, deep ADP number. Yeah, and I'm, I just compared to Megatron, so I'm clearly a little bullish on Kenny Galladay. And I also have a bad taste in my mouth for Marvin Jones because that's a guy we target mm. in our auction league a lot. And then he does exactly what I just said he does. He's going to put up a 40, but he probably put up that 40 after putting up 6.2, 9.3, and 10. So then what we did was we threw him on the bench because screw Marvin Jones. He's just going to lead to another sad, sad game. And then we get 40 wasted points on the bench. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I think... He can put up good end-of-season stats just like he did here, just like he did in the eight games with Stafford. I just think they're not going to come the way that I would prefer them to. And I also anticipate Kenny Galladay to get more looks because he's only caught 65 balls last year. And I, I think he has to be more involved in the offense after what he showed with Blau throwing him the ball yeah and when you're looking at previous year numbers like you said end of season numbers you can be fooled a little bit by these spiky guys and and even when you're looking at projections you need to understand the difference between the guys that are regular contributors every week versus spiky guys you know you look at marvin jones and you look at jarvis landry and their numbers might look pretty darn similar but the consistency you get from Landry is far superior to that that you're going to get from Marvin Jones. So I think we both have Galladay <laughs> selected as our pick on that one. Yeah. Hey, Jarvis Landry. Look at here. Our next combo. Jarvis Landry and OBJ from the Cleveland Browns. Um, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, OBJ... I'll start with the points that I've got again. OBJ, I've got around the 240-point range. So Landry only about 204. So it's about 40-point difference between these guys for your total season numbers. ADPs for Beckham got third round, 31-33, somewhere around that area. So you're looking at middle to end of third round, which is, is pretty juicy for a guy like... OBJ, who's had some really good numbers over the years, albeit most of them with New York. Uh, Landry, <clears throat> his ADP is in between the 70 and 80 range. So you're looking at round six, round seven for Landry. Um, gosh, you know, I, I went back and forth on this one, like to, to try and pick one or the other. Getting Landry that late is really good as your third wide out where you can just pencil in uh, the solid double-digit points every single week. Um, Beckham's upside is still through the roof. Um, Cleveland's looking better and better as, a, as an offensive unit this year. Bolstered their line. Another year with the same quarterback. Different coaching staff. Um it's a tough one. I like both of these guys. I like both of these guys where they're being drafted. Um, I think the upside that comes along with Beckham leans me towards Beckham in this one. So let's so, hear some stats, stat guy. Oh yeah. All right, here I come with the stats. Yeah. So <clears throat> looking at the numbers, he outperformed Beckham in everything. 
more catches, more yards, more touchdowns, more targets. He was the better player, and you didn't have to pay as much for him. And this year, you still don't have to pay as much for him. Beckham, like you said, is at an ADP around 32 in Landry. I have him at 65. So basically, you're paying double the price for Beckham than you are for Landry. Um, the Browns underperformed as a whole. The line wasn't doing the trick for Baker. However, they added stud Jack Conklin from the Titans and drafted Jedrick Wills, which some people say was the best O-lineman in the entire draft. They took him 10th overall. So <clears throat> the entire offense should perform better. It was Odell's first year with the team, playing hurt all season with a sports hernia, and he said, quote for quote, he couldn't play the way he wanted. Will that change in terms of being able to play the way he wants, which is getting 150 targets and being the clear number one guy? <clears throat> I doubt it. But clearly that's not what he was talking about. It was his skill on the field. But Landry's the model of consistency. He's going to give you 80 catches. He's done it every single year he's been in the NFL, which is amazing. He's going to give you 1,000 to 1,100 yards and five to six touchdowns. So if you want the boring Landry, knowing exactly what you're going to get as a solid <clears throat> wide receiver three, you know, bottom end wide receiver two, I don't blame you. I don't blame you because we just saw him be better than Beckham and his ADP is not agreeing with that. So I wouldn't knock you for going for it, but I'm not going to go for it. <clears throat> Odell is a wild card and this is the earliest you've been able to take him in years. Last year was a career worst all around since entering the league in 2014. <clears throat> Sorry about that. My throat is acting up at the moment. Um, and he played four games in 2015, so I'm not even looking at those stats, but everything Beckham did last year, targets, catches, yards, touchdowns, every single thing was less than the least he's ever had in his career, and that's even as a rookie. So this is the most discounted you're going to get him. He's not going to be at this price next year when he goes back up to 90 catches for 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns. So I see a massive jump for Beckham, and maybe that's reaching a little bit, but... I'm going to play the upside here and go Beckham in the third round because he could yield crazy dividends for you as opposed to Landry, who is going to do what he's going to do. Yeah, I think <clears throat> those are all good points. I think um, part of your roster construction, too, uh, might might lean you one way or the other toward these guys. You know, um, if your first two picks are – super solid players you get to the third round so you have a couple you know you've got aaron jones uh and miles sanders say as your first two picks and that third round comes back to you you know you have two very stable players so say it's uh uh even julio julio and aaron jones whatever your first two picks are that are solid guys not much risk at all you get to that third pick and beckham sitting there that's a great time to go for that upside um, his floor might be a tad lower than, than some guys in the third round, but his ceiling is probably as high as you're going to get. And then when you get down to Landry's spot, same deal. You know, if you've already taken 
um, some guys that have a little bit of risk and have higher upside, then go for the floor and go with Landry. If you've already taken three or four guys that feel like they're boring guys, feel like the, they're not home run hits, but they're giving you those solid points every single week, every single week, um, then maybe you shy away from Landry and you go for somebody in that area that's that's top heavy on the upside. So your roster construction and how your draft is going will probably push you toward one of these guys or the other. Um, you don't want a whole bunch of guys with risk. You also don't want your whole team full of just flatline guys either because you do need some you do need some spiky performances in there. So uh, overall, uh, both of these guys, it, the situation just leans you one way or the other, but I've got my little plus sign next to OBJ on this one. So I think for me, if I had to choose one or the other, I'm taking Beckham in the third and then Jaden Landry out. But yeah. I like them both. I yeah. like them both. I mean, that's the case for pretty much pretty much everyone that we've talked about, I like to some degree. Um, but there's a player that we haven't talked about yet that I will never, ever, ever, ever draft again. <clears throat> ever? Ever. Is he still playing? Yes. His well, name, you can't say that. His name is Mark. Well, Cooper. you can't I'm say taking, never. I'm not taking You can't him. say never. I can. He, what? I'm doing it. Amari he could Cooper. drop. Nobody's taking him. He's dropping, dropping. You're going to take him. No, I'm not. Sixth round. Boom. So, Amari, Amari Cooper. Cooper versus Michael Gallup. This is the moment that I've been waiting for. This is what I've researched the most. This is what I'm most passionate about and have been for over a year now. And I'm going to let you start off with it because I need to finish. <laughs> we'll let you finish up with all the numbers because I know you've been digging into this one for a while. Now, I'm gonna the numbers I'm going to look at here um, are actually, I, I guess they're, uh, they're conservative numbers for both of these players as far as as far as uh, points generation for the end of the year. Now, I have changed my Gallup forecast, but I am not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the one I've been using in all my drafts. So currently I have Cooper at coming through with 216 points, Gallup coming in with 185 points uh, by the end of the year. Cooper is going between the 32-39 spot, so he's end of the third round maybe beginning of the fourth around that turn area in the 3-4 spot. Gallup has a pretty wide range of where he's being drafted right now, um, anywhere from 68 to 79. That's a pretty wide range. People aren't, aren't apparently aren't sure what to do with Gallup. Um, but even at the 68 end, you're talking about, what's the math on that? Is that sixth round, fifth round? Yeah, the sixth, middle of the sixth. Sixth round. So sixth or seventh round, you can get Gallup. Um, like sixth or seventh round. Again, that's your that's your third wideout you're talking about there. Um, Amari Cooper. Yeah, if you're taking him as your number two, I'm I'm okay with that. If you have to take him as your number one, that's a stretch. And I think so. A lot of people might be dipping into the Cooper world as a number one which I'm not on board with. Um, the value 
for Gallup. There's only about a 30-point difference between these two guys, and if you can wait as long as it looks like you can wait for Gallup as your three, that to me that's a, a pretty clear-cut winner. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to you so you can tell us why I'm probably <clears throat> not even selling him as high as I should be. Yeah, so looking at the numbers, Cooper had 79 for 1189 and 8. Gallup had 66 for 1107 and 6. And I said earlier about Marvin Jones that he's Omari Cooper light. And what I mean by that is the fluctuation of scoring points and then shitting the bed and then blowing up. Language. And then sucking ass. And then going back and forth, up and down like a little roller coaster. And that's what Amari Cooper does all the time. He cannot consistently lead to what the outcome shows. It's He gets there, but it's always up and down, and you can't rely on him ever. Like, there's just no way, no way of predicting if he's going to have a dud or if he's going to blow up. And looking at the target share, Gallup only finished with six less targets than Cooper. Cooper had 119, Gallup with 113. So, you know, the narrative of Amari Cooper is the clear number one, I'm not sure that's even true just based off of that alone. I mean, he doesn't seem to have a preference. You know, Cooper's going to get better corners, so Gallup's going to have more, more targets. And looking at the targets, there's a stat created by our friends over at Brodo Fantasy Football, brotofantasy.com, and it's something called True Target Value. And looking at the true target value, Gallup finished 12th and Cooper finished 17th. So essentially what this means is that when Dak is throwing the ball to Michael Gallup, they're producing more fantasy points than when throwing to Cooper. And alongside the fairly even target share with even better targets, Gallup with 1,107 yards was only 82 yards less than Cooper. So if that's not enough for you, to say that it's more split than it seems, here's some more that I'm going to throw at you. It's going to be vomit of numbers over and over and over again, so pay close attention. Listen to this a couple times. And if you don't want to listen to it, I also wrote an article about it that is also published at brotofantasy.com. Uh, so you can good, just read that. That's a good article. You guys should go check out that article. Um, it spells all this stuff out. It's pretty intelligent, which, you know, my kid did it, so... Like father, like son. <laughs> so the differential in fantasy points per game is only one point one point per game in Cooper's favor. That means in a 16-game season, if they both played 16 games, which they didn't, they would finish less than two points away from each other. And the most telling statistic of them all is that Gallup managed to be on the field for three more snaps in total, averaging 11 more snaps per game in two less games played. So fantasy football is a combination of efficiency, opportunity, and skill. Gallup clearly has skill. And what isn't as clear is that he also has the efficiency and opportunity that people are just seemingly forgetting about or choosing not to pay attention about. So I don't see why you would ever in your life take Amari Cooper when you can take Michael Gallup. What do you think? So what about... Dallas drafted that rookie kid there. So how is that going to affect these guys? Okay, so C.D. Lamb, right? A lot of people think they're going to take from Gallup's targets. Sure, right, good on the surface. 
However, however, this is going to affect Amari Cooper, I think, more than Michael Gallup. So with the loss of Randall Cobb this offseason, there's now 83 vacated slot targets with no official slot receiver to throw to. And what offseason talks are talking about is that Cooper and Lamb are going to rotate in and out of the slot, a place where Cooper only lined up 10% of the time last year in 2019. Now, although he was outside a majority of the time last year, Cooper only managed 15.1 yards per reception compared to what Gallup put up at 16.8. So all that moving Amari Cooper, sorry, moving Amari Cooper to the slot does not actually help him besides increasing a couple receptions. But in half PPR leagues, in standard leagues, he's his value is going to plummet because if he doesn't bring up the yards per reception, which he probably will not, moving from the outside to the slot, the only thing that's improving should be his catches. So you're going you're gonna to take Amari Cooper? Good for you. I'm going to sit there and take Michael Gallup, who's going to have a solidified role on the outside in a high-powered offense. Everyone expects to be great, and he's going to get potentially even less coverage than ever. While everyone's trying to focus on Lamb and you know the flashy new kid and Amari Cooper, the spark plug that is apparently elite, take, please, 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 don't draft Amari Cooper, draft Michael Gallup, and reap the benefits. I'm sorry that was so much, so many statistics, so much blabbering on and on and on, but I just cannot believe how how much disparity there is between Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and I, I just think it's people are blind for some reason, and it blows my mind. I'm getting I'm getting worked up. I have to stop. Very good analysis. That's fantastic. All of that. Once you spilled that on me the other day, that's when I I actually changed my Gallup, uh, moved him up in the rankings over where I had him before, and that just just makes it easier to select them. So I'm on board <laughs> with you on the. On the Gallup train. Yeah. I, I just can't believe it. I don't know. I mean, I get it because Amari Cooper is... He's a very talented player, but he just can't... You can't spend a third-round pick on a guy that is going to give you duds for potentially yeah, he, half of the year. You know, I, I seem to remember him being pretty inconsistent in Oakland when he was the only show in town. And that's... That's a little tougher to do. You're the number one wide out. I, I don't recall him having any major competition over there. Someone I'm forgetting. Michael uh, Crabtree, maybe? I mean, eh. So, yeah, he's he's a, being drafted as a high-end wide receiver, but he's got that similar up-and-down pattern that we talked about with Marvin Jones that I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with either. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can deal with Marvin Jones having a roller coaster year, as my flex, maybe I don't love it. Third wide receiver flex, something like that. But if you're you're paying first first receiver money for Amari Cooper, and mm-hmm. it's just not it's not worth it. It isn't. It's not. Nope. I can't do it. I can't fathom it. And I don't see any reason why this changes in the rest of his career that he's in Dallas. He just signed a big contract, and they drafted Lamb, who's going to be there for years and only get better. And Gallup, who is only entering his third year and was already matching up with Amari Cooper, 
it's just not even a contest for me. I mean, I I think Gallup could take over as the number one this year, which is once again a reach, but it's a reach to people that don't look at the numbers. And listen, men lie, women lie, the numbers do not lie. So please, for the love of God or whatever you believe in, if anything, don't take Amari Cooper and take Michael Gallup. That is very deep. Yes, thank you. Very deep. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess at this point, we should go over who we pick out of each of the combos. I'm gonna. I'll start. Actually, we'll do it. We'll do it so that we go combo by combo. Yeah. I went Julio. I went Julio. I went Evans. I went Godwin. Okay. Galladay. Galladay. Beckham. Beckham. And Gallup. Gallup. So. Yeah. So there wasn't as much as much difference as I would have expected. And honestly, going into this, I was gonna go Godwin, but then I convinced myself halfway through that. I think I, I like Evans just a hair more, and it seems like people are kind of scared to touch him there, but yeah, I mean, we are teammates, and we are father and son, so, you know, I'm not totally surprised at this. I kind of thought, I kind of thought you might go Marvin Jones over Kenny Galladay, Um I almost went Landry over OBJ, actually. Mm. That, that was a tight one for me. Yeah. The two tightest for me were the Ridley and Julio and the Landry and OBJ. Those mm. were the two tight ones for me. Yeah. I love Ridley. I love Landry. Um, just the big, the, the first three-round guys are just more enticing to me um, a little bit. I like Ridley a lot, though. I like Ridley a lot. Yeah. I like a lot of these guys a lot, except for... So for Mari Cooper, um, just because they each bring different things to the table. I mean, I was I, I was back and forth on Beckham and Landry too because it's clear that him and Baker have a rapport together, and Beckham could do kind of what we talk about with Amari Cooper and Marvin Jones. But I'm sold on I'm pretty bullish on Beckham this year. I think he takes he goes back to what he should be doing. Yeah, I just think those two guys are, you know, two different spots in the draft, like most of these guys are. And like I was saying, just breaking it down, Landry's just a model of consistency. And if that's what you need at that wide receiver three spot, then you grab him. Um, you know, Beckham is riskier, high upside guy. So when you get to that third round pick, if you've got a solid floor already, he's worth the swing. So it just depends on how much risk you're willing to take at each of those spots right. in the draft. But yeah. they're pretty even to me as far as their ADP and, and what they can bring your team. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I think that about does it. Um, we are available pretty much everywhere you can find it now. We have Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Podchaser, etc., Go find us wherever you want to listen to us. Please like the show, subscribe, share with your friends, leave a rating, leave a review. It would be very much appreciated. Help us get it, get us on the radar a little bit. Yeah, so I think that's about it. Peace. Out.